continuing in our series called End of Europe. And if you would, please turn with me to 1 Peter. Um, and, and if you didn't bring your Bible, grab the one out of the back of the pew in front of you and follow along with me. Um, I don't, as I said before, I believe that uh, this has been a very challenging series. It's been a very challenging, this whole letter of 1 Peter, I think, has been uh, very challenging. And so uh, I hope that you've been challenged too. I hope you've allowed the Holy Spirit to connect with yours and to really... Um, you know, uh, make you stop and, and, and have, you know, some God moments and, and, and having conversation with, with, with Him. Uh, in this particular passage, I want to take a look at uh, hidden wounds. I want to take a look at uh, wounds that we have uh, within our lives. But uh, before we start, uh, let me, let's just read our passage of Scripture together. And uh, if you would turn it again, First Peter chapter 4, I want to read verses 1 through 11. And he says this, Therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged accordingly to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because... Love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Today I want to share with you a couple of thoughts, uh, and, and I think from our reading, we, there's, there's a sense here we can get from, that Peter lays out some steps here that we can deal with uh, certain wounds that we may have with inside of us. But first, I want to say this. When we're talking about wounds, I, I, am sure, I am positive that every single one of us in this room have some hidden wounds that we deal with. Some of us in here, may, we, we may come in with this attitude where we say, well, I don't really have any. We come in with this facade. We come in with this macho uh, this macho. Uh, uh, appearance to ourselves. We come in with this uh, sense where we say, my skin is thick. I don't have any hidden wounds. I'm, I'm a tough person. I'm a tough woman. I'm a tough guy. But deep down inside, I believe that every single one of us in here has been hurt. And I believe every single one of us in here may be carrying around some wounds, some hidden wounds, some buried wounds that needs to be dealt with. For many of us, or I shouldn't say many of us, but, but for some of us, we may be, you may be sitting here this morning, someone has offended you years and years ago, and that, that wound is as fresh as it was when it first happened. For some of you others in here, you, you can recall situations, you can co- recall an event, you can recall whatever it was, but we have a, a hidden wound that's, that, that, that is there. And, and I'm not talking about physical ones, physical wounds, I'm talking about I'm talking about um, uh, internal ones, not external, but internal ones, the ones that are deep down hidden inside of us. 
They're wounds that may be of hurtful memories or recollections, but they're there and they cause us pain. They may be from rejection. They may be wounds of abandonment. They may be wounds of unfaithfulness. It may be a wound of feeling like you didn't matter. Someone made you feel insignificant and it didn't matter. And consequently now, uh, you feel ridiculed and you feel as a, and you have this sense of insecurity to you. Regardless of what it is, we all have them. And if we would all take a minute and look to our right, and we would look to our left, and we would turn and look to those behind us, chances are the people that we see have, may have a hidden wound inside of us. Where do we get them? We get them from everywhere. We get them from society. We get them from our family. We get them from, from close friends. We get them from school. We get them at work. Wherever, I mean, there, are, there is a plethora of ways and, and, and environments in which we get hurt and we have these, these hidden wounds inside of us. Everyone has one, and I believe that if you say you don't, you're lying. I believe we all have something we're carrying around. And I wonder, you know, in this particular passage of Scripture, if he's referring to some people that might have sold other people out, we know that these individuals were being physically tested for their faith. They were being physically, um, uh, not just metaphorically, but literally fed to the lions and, and other horrendous acts. And I'm just wondering if, you know, in, in particular situations, whether or not, you know, some of, one of them got sold out by another one. Regardless, Regardless, we, we have these hidden wounds at times. And as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, I think we see uh, some, a, a clear path, a higher path, a Christ-like way of dealing with these. And so one of the first things that I think we see is this. We need to forgive the offender. In, in the first verse, Peter says this in another translation. It's, it's said like articulated this way. Since Christ suffered while He was in His body, strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ had. Strengthen yourself with the same way of thinking that Christ had. In the NIV it says, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Arm yourself also with the same attitude. Or strengthen yourself the same way that Christ thought. Here's the issue, guys. And I know this sounds very uh, much like a cliche. But Jesus understands every single hurt that we experience. Jesus understands it. It says that He suffered. It, it, it implies that He also suffered physically, which we know that, but we know that He even had others as well, and we know that hidden ones hurt even more. The wounds of betrayal, the wounds of rejection, the wounds of hatred. It takes, it takes longer to get over an emotional hurt, much longer than it does a physical one. And when you hurt, when you hurt Jesus understands that hurt. He says, I think this, I've been there, I can sympathize, I can relate. He knows what it's like to be maligned, to be mistreated, to be rejected. And Peter says this, when you go through a hurt, when you have this hidden hurt within your life, whether you're carrying it around, whether you're going through it right now today, this, this hurt that you're having, have the same attitude. Begin to think like Jesus did. Have the same way of thinking about it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm going through something like this, and, I, and, and, and I'm experiencing something in my life and I read a passage of scripture and this author says think like Jesus thought have the same attitude my question then would be well what that attitude. And as we look at that, what was his thinking? When we look at that, we see a thinking that pervades all, of, that, that just rises above all of this, where he hung on the cross, not only enduring physical things, not only enduring physical atrocities, but he also dealt with, I believe, with mental and emotional things. But yet, to the point where as he hung on that cross, he was able to look at people that were deeply offending him, physically and, and emotionally, and say this to the Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's tough stuff. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, you and I as humans, we can look at this and we can say this. Well, he was God. And we rationalize it off. 
Well, he was God. He could do that. I'm not God. I can't do that. But yet Peter says, have the same thinking. Have the same attitude. Jesus could have blown him away. Jesus could have called thousands of angels down to rescue him. Jesus could have stopped the whole thing. He could have simply shouted out, enough is enough, and demonstrated who he truly was at that particular point in time. But instead, he hung there and utters the words, Father, forgive them, because they have no clue what they're doing. That's my paraphrase. But here's the issue. We must forgive the offender if we're ever going to be healed of our hurt. Now, we may say things like this. You know what? I don't want to forgive those people that I've hurt. or the people that hurt me. I don't want to forgive those people who hurt me. They don't deserve it. And you're right. They don't deserve it. Forgiveness is never deserved. But let me ask you this, or let me share this to you. Why then we forgive? Number one, because God has forgiven you. And here's the issue, guys. You're never, ever going to have to forgive somebody more than God forgave you. Ever. That's powerful. You will never, ever be asked to forgive someone else to the same degree that God has forgiven you. Secondly, you're going to need forgiveness in the future. I hate to burst your bubble if there's not someone sitting in here that's perfect where they say, you know what, I'm never going to need forgiveness in the future. You're going to need forgiveness. Some, some, uh, some individual came to John Wesley and said this, I could never forgive that man. John Wesley said, well, then I hope you never sin in the future because you're going to need forgiveness. In fact, Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer and He says this, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And essentially what we're praying is this, Lord, forgive me as much as I have forgiven everybody else. That's powerful. Third thing is this. You're never going to stop hurting until you learn to forgive. Hebrews says this, Watch out because bitterness takes root among you, and as it does, it springs up and it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Resentment always hurts. Some of us in here this morning are carrying things around that we've been carrying around for years and years and years and years. In fact, some of us may be carrying around something where someone hurt us. That person is no longer alive. That person is completely out of our lives at this point in time, but yet they still have the power to bring us down. They still have the power to make our lives miserable. And it's because we allow this resentment to continue to well up inside of us. Job says this, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. Don't allow people who've hurt you in the past to continue to hurt you today. Be able to forgive the offender. The second one is this, focus on God. In the second verse, he says, from now on, live the rest of your lives controlled by God's will, not by human desires. You know, I, I, I get this. I get when I, you know, when we share points like this, it's like you're sitting and you're thinking, wow, that is really profound. Focus on God. I know there's times where I go to my wife and I share her some of the things that's taking place, taking place within my life and, you know, things that are kind of crippling me emotionally or whatever it may be. And she comes out with these words, well, you just got to give it to God. And I'm like, that is such a novel idea. You know what I mean? Doesn't it sound like, does it, don't you just want to get, of course, you know, you know how encouraging she is, right? You know, I want you to, I want you to feel sympathy for me and not her, okay? So, but anyhow, um, here's the issue, guys. It, it's, it, it's that thing that, you know, let me back up and let me say this. This isn't in my notes, but I want to share this. I think for many of us, we are so deceived by Satan. And I don't want to give Satan too much power, than the more that he has. But here's the issue, guys. Some of us live in such a defeated state. When we read the words of Christ in the Bible, it says, I will give you life to the fullest. Some of us, if we were truly, genuinely honest, we would say, I am not experiencing life to the fullest. Why is that? Because we're being deceived. 
We're being deceived on many levels. And here's, you know, and I want to touch on that a little bit later, but here's the issue. When we begin to focus on God, but he says, you know what, get your attention off yourself. Anytime we focus, you know, on the attention on ourselves, it's going to bring the pain and keep the hurt there. But when we focus on God, when we take, when we, when we focus our attention off of our hurts and place it on the God, that's when we start experiencing, that's when we start experiencing some healing within our lives. And for the rest of our lives, regardless of what has happened to us, regardless of the hurt in your past, it doesn't matter so much as what has happened to you as you focusing forward and saying, God, I am placing my faith and my trust with you on this issue. God, I am giving you this. God, I am allowing you to bring the healing within my life. But here's the issue, guys. It takes and requires a mental shift. It is a choice. And for some of us, that is such a huge choice that it's got us stymied. Some of us are living our spiritual lives in such a a stale, stalled place because we can't bring ourselves to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive the offender, I'm going to focus on God, and I'm going to allow God to take all my hurts and all the baggage within me that I've been carrying around for years. I want to experience life to the fullest. That is a choice on our part where we begin to live our lives out in harmony with God's Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean we forget about the past. We get it in our minds where we say, well, I can't do that because that means I'm going to have to forget about the past. That means I'm going to have to just excuse it. That's not what that means at all. As one person said, it's the difference between mourning and moaning. Mourning means this. It says, I'm sad about the incident. I am sad and I'm grieved about what is taking place within my life. I am sad about this particular event that has happened. Moaning means this, where we say, I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to get over this, and so we never get over it. There's a choice to be made here, how we're going to do it. Are we going to stay stuck in our past? Are we going to stay stuck in that pain? Or are we going to focus on the present and move in the future? And how do we get unstuck? That's when we focus again and place our, 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 all of our focus on the healer, not our hurt. Focusing on how God wants to heal us. And God brings that positive purpose out of pain. We know that the Word of God teaches us that regardless of how negative something may, may be within our lives, regardless of how negative an event may, may uh, seem and feel within our lives, God can take things and make something good. We know that God is in the business of taking trash and turning it into treasure. But what's the secret? It's trusting God with it. It's going to say, God, I'm going to allow you to settle the score. God, I'm going to allow you to deal with this situation. It's the same thought that Jesus had. Peter writes, and we talked about this back in chapter 2, it says that when Jesus suffered, he didn't threaten to get even. He didn't threaten to get even, but he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. You see, the problem is that with us, we forget that God sees the whole picture. So often we forget that God knows all the details. And so we try to manage it. And we try to manage this, this, and that, and this. And all along, we, we continue to stay hurt and have all this, this unresolved stuff within our lives. Psalm 56, 8, uh, David writes this, God, you know how troubled I am. You have kept a record of all of my tears. God has kept a record. Regardless of what pain has happened to you, regardless of what negative thing is, is, is taking place within your life, God knows every, every little detail about it, the whole picture. He knows the pain and it matters to Him to the point where, as David writes, God has recorded every single tear that He shed. Doesn't that give you a sense of security? Doesn't that give you a sense of confidence? Doesn't that give you a sense of peace knowing that regardless of what I've been through, regardless of the pain that you have been that you have deep buried inside of you, that God knows every little detail about that? Every tear that you shed over that? And we can stop rehearsing that pain 
Because God is in control and God is remembering it. God will deal with it. God will settle the score. And listen to what happens when we begin to focus on God. Paul writes in Romans 15, 13, he says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the benefits of focusing on God. That's the benefits of taking this this stuff and turning it over to God and saying, you know what, God, I can't deal with this any longer. God, I can't make this right. God, I can't orchestrate events. I can't make any of this come out right. But God, I'm giving it to you. And as we focus on God, God, as, as Paul writes, God's hope comes in our lives, produces joy and peace. By the way, isn't that what we're talking about through this whole series, being at the end of our ropes? Getting to the point to where everything's stripped away. The things that we used to place our hope and faith into, and they're not producing what we thought they would produce, and we feel empty, we feel hurt, we feel scared. But as we turn things over to God and focus on God, God replaces all of that with His joy and His peace, and we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope, joy, peace. Would you rather be filled with hope, joy, peace, or misery, depression, and resentment? It's a choice. It's a choice. The third thing is this, face the future. Job says this, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. By the way, who is this Job character that we're talking about? You know, I I bet if we, you know, I'm not minimizing anybody's issues. I'm not minimizing anybody's hurts. I'm not minimizing anybody's pains. But if we had Job sitting in here and he began to share, as, the word, as, as we read about his life, that dude endured some pain. That guy endured some hardships. That guy lost absolutely everything. And it seems to indicate it was just like happened like, just like a, kind of like a wave after wave after wave. Some of us, you know, we have things that happen within our lives, and we use that term, man, when it rains, it pours, right? And, not, you know, it just seems like when something goes wrong, Everything else just kind of crumbles behind it. Job lost his family. He lost his livelihood. He lost absolutely everything. The only thing that this guy did not lose was, was literally his life. He lost his health. The scripture tells us, the, the Bible tells us that he, he was covered with boils and, and found relief from like dogs licking him. That's pretty nasty. And yet, this guy, through all of that pain that he heard, could write these words Put your heart right. Reach out to God. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remember no more. I wonder how many of us sitting in here this morning where we would say, I wish that this memory I have, this hurt that I've got buried within my life, this this issue that I have, I wish that it would fade from my memory. And Job is saying, put your heart right and it will. Forgive the offender. Reach out to God. Focus on God. Face the world again. Face your future firm and courageous. And by the way, when we talk about courage, it's not the absence of fear. It's not saying, well, I'm going to be able to live my life in a sense of the absence of fear. It's never going to be that way. Courage is moving forward and facing forward and taking steps forward as you live in spite of fear. He says, move ahead. Stop living in denial. Stop pretending it doesn't hurt. Or or stop pretending it doesn't hurt. Stop trying to fake it. Stop masking it. Deal with it. Get in touch with where you are and get on with your life. Don't keep reliving the past over and over and over, Ken. Get on with life. Face reality. Move forward. And it says, 
it will fade away. How is it that when I focus on my future, my hurts begin to fade away? Because it seems like there's this universal principle that says, whatever we focus on, that's what we live in. And when you focus on one thing, it tends to to cause you to forget something else. Guys, if we tend to focus on something so negative all the time, we become a very negative person. We become Eeyore to the 10th degree. And let me share this with you. People don't like to be around you when we become so negative. That's what we experience all the time is negativity. And I'm not saying you deny things. I'm not saying, that you, again, that you pretend like it's not there. I'm saying we make a choice to deal with it. We move forward. We have the courage to say, this will pass. I am placing my faith and my hope and my trust into Jesus Christ, the living hope. Psalm 34, 17 says this, The Lord hears good people when they cry out to Him, and He saves them from all their troubles. David was notorious. Read the Psalms. David was notorious for being extremely honest with his feelings. Extremely honest and candid with his feelings. But for some of us, we, we're into that quick fix mode. And here's a couple of reasons why the quick fix, uh, why they never work, is because number one, they don't last. We experience a high, and then we come crashing back down to the valley. They become addicting. Some of us, we, you know, just like in our passage of Scripture, when we talk about what well, he lays out in verse 3, he says, In the past you wasted too much time doing what non-believers do. Sexual sins, drunkenness, evil desires, orgies, wild and drunken parties. For some of us, that's what we do to ease up the pain. That's what we do to mask the pain. That's what we do to get our eyes or or to get our thoughts and our feelings off of the hurt that we're carrying around. But the problem is they don't last. It's not a fix. It's not an eternal fix. It's not it's not a a, it's not a pure fix. And then they become addicting. We become addicting to the very vices that we're trying to use to get us out of this rut to begin with. And then last, they solve the problem ever. They don't get to the real problem in our lives. Peter says, stay away from that type of stuff. Face your future. Focus on God and forgive your offender. And then the last thing is this. Find supporting relationships. Guys, this is, what I was, this is where I was trying to go when I was talking about the enemy being deceitful. Being very deceitful. He knows exactly. This is the issue. Satan knows the life that Jesus has to offer more than we do. He knows exactly this life that Jesus has to offer us. And here's here's the kicker, guys. If we had some tastes of that life, do you think we would ever want to spend time doing the things that's antithetical to the Word of God? A lot of times we look at this Word as, as a bunch of rules and regulations. We look at it as something that says, well, I can't have fun in my life, or I've got to deal with things the hard way. But in, in reality, it's a, it, this frees us. It frees us. But the point is, Satan knows exactly the life that Jesus has to offer us. And one way that he can keep us from having this is to say this. Don't ever trust anybody with your hurt. Don't trust anybody with your burden that you're carrying around. Don't trust anybody with the wound that you may have living inside of you. Because you could get hurt again. Don't trust. Don't trust. And yet the Word of God says this. Fifty-eight times Paul writes these, writes these one another phrases. Love one another. Care for one another. Greet one another. Pray for one another. Counsel one another. Help one another. Support one another. How can I counsel you? How can I pray for you? How can I help carry your burdens if I never know what you're going through? How can you help me? 
If you and I never develop an intimate relationship with one another where I can come to you and I can say, I am so sick and tired of living with this particular thing within my life that's dragging me down. But Satan's got us deceived. You can deal with it on your own. You can deal with that on your own. It's not that big of a deal. And you get robbed. You get cheated. And you're living a counterfeit life that you don't even know about. It's kind of like that whole movie, The Matrix. Remember that whole series, that trilogy, The Matrix? You kind of watch all three and you kind of end up perplexed on the backside as you did the first. But it's kind of that same concept. We're living in this false reality where Jesus says, man, I've got so much more to offer you. There's healing to be taking place. We were never, ever meant to do this on our own. Clear at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, God comes to Adam and He says this, it's not good for man to be alone, even in the perfect environment. And then He created woman and screwed everything up. I'm just kidding. That was a bad one. Then. I lost you. Guys, we need each other. C.S. Lewis struggled with this whole concept, you know, uh, in a portion of his life about this whole love concept. You can never experience the fullness of love if you're not able to trust. Because with trust comes the, the uh, susceptibility of being hurt. Health comes through being vulnerable, through being transparent. Spiritual health, true life comes from that type of living. Where we support one another, we pray for one another. Listen to what he says in verse 8. Above all, one translation says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Then he says, Offer hospitality to one another. Hospitality means loving concern, caring about one another. And love covers, what does that mean? It means there's this enormous, tremendous, powerful healing power in love. Love is the antidote to fear. Love is the antidote to guilt. Love is the antidote to resentment. Love is the antidote to a lot of things. But here we are, living in our little insulated, quote-unquote, spiritual lives where we're being deceived and we're living this counterfeit thing where we may come to church, we may do some of the Christian things, what they do, and all along we're still carrying around all this baggage and all this hurt because we're so scared. That's not the life that Jesus has to offer us. That's not what it's about at all. In fact, Jesus says this, Come to me, those of you that are weary, those of you that are overburdened, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me. You don't have to understand it all. I'm not going to put more rules, more regulations on you. I'm not going to heap guilt on you because you're not living the right way. What he's saying is this, I will give you rest. The junk that you're carrying around, the stuff that you're working so hard to keep hidden, the lie that you're trying to keep formed so well that, you know, you got the facade on, you got the smile going on, you got all this, you know, my life is good type of thing going on, all that stuff. I'll give you rest from it. I will give you rest and I'll give you peace from it. I will give you mental rest, spiritual rest, physical rest, emotional rest. I will give you rest. But, guys, if you're going, if you're hurting right now, don't continue to suffer in silence. Don't continue to suffer in silence. Everybody has a hidden wound. What's your hidden wound? What's yours? 
Would you like to be healed from it this morning? Would you like to get over it? That's the first step. And I believe that the power, that God's Holy Spirit is with us this morning, so desperately wanting to connect with you, so desperately wanting to, to, to help you to have this profound encounter with Jesus Christ this morning. Whether it's the first time or it's the 157th time, I believe God is, is here saying, I will give this to you the first time or I'll, I will renew your spirit. Just let me have it. Make a decision and let me have it. I pray that you would just allow God's spirit to connect with yours this morning. We're going to close out with a song again. If you would feel the need to pray, it doesn't matter where you pray, but if you want to come forward and pray, please. if you want to grab me, pray with me, Joe, Pastor Joe, whoever it is. Man, this is a perfect... This, the, the, we are in a time and space right now where you can make a decision to say, I'm tired of dealing with this hidden junk that I've got in my life. And I want to get rid of it. And I want to be real. Are you at the end of your rope yet? Because there is a peace that's there for you. You make the decision.